Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Jay Darmawangza. Welcome back to the Raisin Brand. Hope you're enjoying your week so far. For today's podcast, I thought I'd share my two recent videos on the creator economy, just a little mashup. I hope you guys enjoy this video. We'll be talking about trends, rise and falls, my predictions, things you should know as a creator to make sure you're relevant. Okay, let's dive in. So I guess like to first start off with the craziness of the creator economy, I think the easiest way to explain the rise of the creator economy is just to define what the creator economy is. In my definition, I think the creator economy is ways creators make money. Like I literally think it's that simple. Let's just see the official definition. The official definition from Influencer Marketing Hub says, the creator economy consists of people performing their dream job. So it's essentially that you're making money out of what you love. A good example of the creator economy in action is the fact that Charlie D'Amelio, a 16 year old girl, has her own dunk donuts drink flavor what she has a following based on her dancing videos exactly 100 million followers on tiktok and it's all through herself her persona and her personality she's making a full-time income of it i'm pretty sure she's a millionaire and it's just insane how much money you can make from being yourself or even doing nothing like basically just posting thirst traps if you want to go that route. In a more positive light, I do think it's really fucking cool that these creators are making money out of just being themselves. Like Addison Rae launched a song and she's literally on Jimmy Fallon. Like this girl a year ago did not have followers. And now she's performing on national TV. She's like an A-list celebrity at this point. I don't, hey. I know you're gonna roast me for saying Edison's Ray is an A-list celebrity, but y'all, she has more reach than most of the Jenners, okay? Or the Kardashians, so don't add me. Essentially what I think is influencers, TikTokers, creators are just as valuable, if not more, than celebrities. And in terms of their reach, you know, corporations utilize influencers more days than traditional celebrities anyways. Another proof that the creator economy is rising is the fact that venture capital is heavily, heavily focused on the creator economy. If you guys don't know, when companies want to start, sometimes people raise money, sometimes in the millions and hundreds of millions. So a venture capital firm essentially is like the sugar daddy that distributes money to founders. So <laughs> there's a couple of venture capital firms I kind of keep tabs on. One of them is Signal Fire that invests a lot in the creator economy. My friend Eric, who's the founder of Carrot, also launched a digital financing bank for creators. Like you have to re- realize that they're creating a bank for creators. Whereas five years ago, people would laugh at the word of like making money for creators because they didn't realize the money's there. Like brands and venture capitalists are throwing money at businesses and people trying to go after this creator economy. They wanna be with Addison Rae, they wanna be a part of this ecosystem. And you can see this rise of creator economy really starting from the fact that consumers just like watching creators. I think the biggest shift ever is from regular TV to authentic media like YouTube and TikTok. They're the biggest shift I would say overall is more Gen Zers, including me, I'm I'm Gen Z guys, okay? I know I'm turning 20 soon, but I am still Gen Z. (laughs) But I I think the biggest shift is like, I don't watch Netflix and I don't really trust the opinions of celebrities. I trust people with maybe 10,000 followers or 100,000 that maybe look like me, sound like me, and they're more relatable. And I think that's the biggest thing. And you can see all the business people now, they see the cash cow, they're trying to get into the system. So this leads me to some of my predictions for this year into next year and I wanted to go over as a marketer or as a creator yourself like you might be wondering what I should do to prepare myself for this next shift so let's go into these predictions so the first prediction I have is the rise of non-traditional education I think that more and more people will look at this graph 
and be like, what the actual fuck? For those who don't know, I did not go to college. I did not finish my four years of high school either. For the sort of reasons of I couldn't afford it and I wanted to pursue other paths that didn't require a degree. I run a business and I do social media. So I just felt like if I wanted to go to school, I could always come back. And you know, there's statistics that show that Gen Z in this generation is in more student debt than ever. And it's because, you know, education is maintaining such a high cost in comparison to the job market not being as stable and reliant. And I think more and more people will be like, what the fuck? And, um, you know, maybe just go other paths. Google is launching Google certificate. It's basically their own academy where they consider you, if you take a Google certificate degree, it's just as qualified as a college degree. And you're seeing more and more companies. There's a company called Oberlo. I, I ran a course with, um, you can check it out here. You know, I'm teaching marketing and this platform is enabling non-traditional education. So with abundance of resources from companies, YouTube, any platform, I I believe you don't really necessarily need a college degree. If you can afford it, that'd be great. But I think more and more people will just not feel forced to go to college and go their own path. The second prediction I have with the creator economy is creators not making money from social media anymore. Now, for those who think that's clickbait, you're kind of right. What I meant by creators not making money through platforms, I mean the ad revenue. So for those who don't know, content creators, Jake Paul, Charlie D'Amelio, anybody really makes money in three different ways. You can get paid through the platform. So YouTube or TikTok can send you a check for posting content. The second thing is through brand deals. And the third is merch or creator products. And I feel like you're going to see more and more creators really just focus on the third category, which is merch. Because the issue with ads and platforms paying you and being a brand deal person is because you have to almost exchange your creativity for a paycheck and you can kind of call this selling out but i think you're going to start to see more creators be like why do i have to you know change who i am for a brand deal make content that's safe so youtube can pay me more when i could just launch my own product to a community and make more money that way i think you see this naturally with mr beast launching his own restaurant called mr beast burgers you can see my friends colin and samir they're creators here on youtube they're creating their own membership and courses and you know personally for me i really am selective with the brand deals i take to the point where i would say most of my revenue comes from product I create and services I create with the community, which is my consulting and advertising. So I think that naturally you're going to just see more creators say, fuck you AdSense and, and, and go to more decentralized ways to make money. And this will go into my next point. I think my prediction for not necessarily this year, but the next few years is the launch of social tokens. As creators realize that they can make money through creating products, you're going to start to see creators launching their own currency. I know this is bizarre. I know y'all are like, that's bullshit. Why would an influencer create their own money? But through the power of blockchain and cryptocurrencies, you can actually create your own token and each token, you can set a value to it. So for example, say your merch is 55 tokens, right? And you can exchange these 55 tokens for actual other currencies. So it's kind of like Chuck E. Cheese. Basically, I think creators will have their library of products and they're gonna use their own currency as the way of exchange. So there's a platform called Canva that enables easy, to make graphics and there's this meme going around where it's like oh canvas taking away all graphic designers jobs you know with the rise of automation software tools it is scary how platforms are literally replacing 
graphic designers. You know, you don't really need a graphic designer. You can just use a Canva template to create your work. But I don't necessarily think this is fully true. I think that what's going to happen is software technology and AI is not going to replace jobs. It's going to accelerate jobs. It's going to be an assistance. I personally know startups and companies that use graphic designers to use Canva so it speedens up the process, but they still need a graphic designer. And this goes with the same way with, you know, creative roles. Like just because automation is doing tasks, it doesn't take away from the role. You know, jobs and companies still need people that are experts in that field to run the automation. Automation. What was that? You know, you can take my media agency, for example. So, you know, my brand managers, we reach out to brands and, you know, we don't do it manually. We use a robot called Rocket Reach that will automate and find contacts. So it's not taking away from the job, but accelerating it and making it more efficient. And I think more and more students especially need to get comfortable with using software in AI, not in a bad way, but to accelerate jobs. Now, I know there's certain jobs that genuinely will be taken over by robots, but there's still a ton of creative jobs that, you know, help you work aside Sophia the robot. You know, you don't have to compete with them. Sophia the robot is just chilling with you. So I don't think we should be afraid of automation. I know there's some legitimate jobs that will be automated, like driving, but for the most part, creative roles, I would say, are safe for now. All right, my next prediction is number five, creators using TikTok and YouTube shorts as A-B testing. So for the longest time, I personally make 10 minute YouTube videos. Now with the rise of short form video, I make 15 to 60 second content. And I see me, honestly liking making shorter content because A, it's easier. Like I only spend five minutes making a TikTok versus like 20 hours for this YouTube video that barely gets any views. And I just, anyways, I'm joking. But I think that short form content is easier and there's more instant gratification for the sole reason of it's just shorter. And I think more and more content creators will see this, especially, you know, long form creators will see this and be like, why am I spending so long when I could just be spending shorter amount of time for the same result or same amount of views? So what I'm trying to say is I don't think people will quit making 10 minute YouTube videos. I feel like more and more people will use 15, 60 second, you know, short form videos to A-B test concepts to then decide whether we should take it to the longer form content. So, you know, in my personal social media strategy, I'm making a ton of Instagram reels, I'm making a ton of TikToks and the top performing videos I will recreate in a longer form format. This enables me to save more time, work on videos that I know will have higher outcomes. And I personally just have fun on short form video and I fucking spend way too much time on TikTok. So I think that more and more creators will do this. And it's the reason why I think Charlie D'Amelio still has a YouTube channel, still has long form content, but uses TikTok to almost AV test concepts or for her, just get her name out there. So if you aren't on TikTok or Reels already, what are you doing? I, I'm on a ton of Clubhouse calls where the main excuse of people saying I'm not on TikTok is because it's for kids. But literally my mom and dad are on that app. So if you're not on TikTok, get your ass over there. Prediction is creators going from short brand deals to longer term brand deals. I think that I made a statement that brand deals are not going to be as lucrative for creators. So the only way for brands to incentivize creators to work with them, I think will be longer term contracts. So, you know, personally for me, I'm working on a few one year contracts with brands I genuinely enjoy, but this is a brand new conversation to me. I did not have these deals approach me till like this year. So I just think that, you know, if you are a creator, if you are someone working with brands one off, definitely think about ways to extend that relationship to a year or six months or whatever that looks like, because A, it's a little bit better for you to not hop from brand deal to brand deal and your audience enjoys that more. And B, I think that the brand appreciates it more just because marketing takes a few times before things work. So by having a long-term relationship with a brand, I think it will give them more ROI as well. 
this is something that was just on my heart that I wanted to bring up. I think my next prediction is the rise of people that have been in the shadows. And what I mean by that is, you know, people of color, women, people that are in minorities, Asian communities, indigenous communities. I think that, you know, 2020 and even 2021 has taught me so much of the, the problems in this world and communities that are underrepresented. And I've just been seeing so many alliances come to form. There's this Asian American Women's Alliance of business owners and Asian creators that are coming together and raising money for causes. And I think they're raising like $100,000. And I also see obviously the, with the Black Lives Movement, just such a unity in problem solving. And I genuinely believe that I think that there's going to be more, not just companies, but organizations and communities that arise on people's setbacks. You know, I'm Asian American. I thought that being Asian was weird. I thought being a woman in business was bad. And I think that it's going to be a strength in the next few years. So, if, you know, if you are someone watching this video and you feel like you're too young or you don't look the same like everyone else, I think that's a massive, massive strength. And even if you're someone that does look like everybody, I don't think that's wrong either. I just think that in the next few years, we're going to see no excuses become an excuse. If you want to start a business, you want to be a social media creator. I feel like the, the world or the universe or whatever genuinely wants to give people platforms that look different. And I think this is just a great thing because, you know, personally for me and my company, I'm starting to work on more civic based projects. And, you know, personally for me, I was working on a Biden Harris campaign with a grassroots organizer last year. And I just feel like more and more people want to use what they fucking hate about themselves or just feel like it's a setback into a good thing. Same with sustainability. You know, that's something that I, I mentioned last year, I think is going to be a huge trend. And I think more and more people will just care about the environment. So if those things align with you, I think that you're going to be in good shape and you should definitely don't feel like you're an outcast based on your race, gender. You know, I didn't even mention the LGBTQ plus community, which is a huge thing. Latinx, like I just don't think anything will stop anybody. Now, people will still treat you differently on the way you look, but I almost feel like there's a sense of, you know, responsibility from people to minimize that. And especially from all these social movements. All right. So my last prediction, you know, obviously companies are diving into the creator economy. I know a lot of venture capital firms that are literally only investing into financial tech, creator economy. That's basically it. I'm super interested in next step. You know, I think 2021 and 2022 was mostly a year of creator economy growth. I personally think there's two ways that I think this can go. In the next few years, I think that animation will be the next Disney and more and more companies will invest in animator creators. I'm a little bit biased. I have a media agency where we work with creators on business development and we're working with some of the top TikTok animators in the world, which is super fun. But that's because I genuinely believe in them. Like I genuinely believe that, you know, Disney and Pixar have enabled cartoons in my childhood. And I think the next cartoons will come from creators and influencers and artists. I think that that's one area I feel like we still haven't tapped into. Like I think Charlie D'Amelio and Addison Rae and all these people tapped, you know, mainstream dance and they're, you know, they have merch lines, but I haven't seen this done yet within like the TikTok animation community. So I think the next year, the next Disney will come through TikTok animators or YouTube animators. And there's still a ton of animation communities, but I feel like this is a market that's going to be growing super fast. And with that being said, I think that more and more artists will finally be able to make money at what they love to do. Like, I think at the end of the day, what I'm super excited about in the next year or so is this rise of, first of all, inclusivity, but also this rise of like, you can literally make money out of doing it whatever the fuck you want. You can make money out of being an artist, an animator. You can make money, you know, making videos and talking to a camera at 6 p.m. at night when you could be just be hanging out with friends. Like, I think that it's incredible that the creator economy enables careers.
We're gonna be reacting to my 2020 marketing predictions. I make these videos every year of me basically talking BS about what I think is gonna happen in the creator economy. And although I do say some valuable things, talk, walk, <laughs> what did I say? What's the quote? Essentially, let's see if my actions are speaking louder than my words and if any of the things I say in last year's video were true. Okay, let's, I'm actually really scared to do this. So lately, I've been reading the comment section and a lot of you have been saying I've been milking my age. A lot of you are referring to the fact that every- That's actually kind of facts. Like, I, I milk my age so hard. Like, I, I always put 18 years old entrepreneur, 19 years old. Like, and I mean, you guys notice. You guys make fun of me. And it seems like I'm doing this for views, when in reality, I'm scared to get old. Literally, like, my two best friends on the internet are Haley and Brennan, and they literally turn 20 years old. This is so uncomfortable to watch. You guys don't know, I'm Vegas right now because I'm turning 20 next week. All right, let's go over the five trends that I did go over. This is the surface one. Green pressure. Okay, so this might be very, very controversial, but being sustainable is like a trend. It's now. actually fact. You know, 2020 was probably a year where everybody was a lot more socially aware about climate change or political issues or even just things that are problem with social justice. Like I think that there has not only been a lot of green pressure, but just overall social pressure. For most brands, they're just gonna use it as a monetization effort. Literally what this means is any product you're gonna see, people are gonna try to throw the word eco or sustainable into it. I actually do think this is true. There's a lot of fashion brands that just kind of keyword stuff their products and, you know, brand with eco-friendly or sustainable. And at my company X8, you know, we do more a lot of like civic movement projects. Like last year we did a um, campaign for the US election with a TikTok house and it was all about like how to spread the word of Gen Z to vote. And it was actually really interesting just because that's like one area where I think that everyone on the same page wanted to like spread a good movement. But I have seen like other huge companies like almost use the social justice thing as a PR move. And there's not a really bad issue with that. It just, it is doesn't feel as genuine. So I have noticed that a lot in 2020, a lot of brands are just like keyword stuffing everything. I think a lot of Gen Z will be able to see through that. So it's important to like, I think as a lot of brands are pushing this in marketing to see what the intention is behind it, if they're actually trying to make change. Just to make sure that their website is popping up when you search a certain word. So brands are gonna start placing a lot of money when you type in reusable or sustainable on Google search. Okay, I work with this company actually called I know you're gonna hate me because I, I just bleep out the name, but like this company literally was like, I was like, what do you want to promote for this? Like, you know, what's your call to action? And the dumb one thing was they want to do their like sustainable campaign for one of their new menu items. So I think that 100%, it's like definitely one of the biggest things I've also seen at my agency. So I actually do think that I was right on that. The future is private. I think more and more people are tired of the Instagram model look. I personally don't scroll on my explore page for this reason anymore because it gives me anxiety and jealousy. Bro, I'm on fire. I actually do think this trend did really manifest in 2020. You could see the rise of TikTok and there's this creator named Victoria Paris, who I would say is kind of like the TikTok version of Emma Chamberlain. If you guys don't know, Emma Chamberlain's a YouTuber that makes a lot of authentic vlogs and you know, Victoria's uh, channel or TikTok profile is so raw. She uploads like 15 to 30 times a day of just random things. And it's just so authentic to the point where it's like, she doesn't even pose. Like she shows her imperfections. And I think that at least coming from like a, a young teenage female audience, you know, point of view, I think that it's what I prefer to see. I specifically unfollow models. Although my For You page honestly is filled with like dancing teenage girls for some reason, but I try not to subscribe to that. I think the future is private. So what this means is Instagram is gonna start focusing on DMs and stories versus actual feed. They're gonna put more emphasis on 
like communication versus just like hey i'm a model so a lot of like influencers that are like pretty i'm sorry they're probably just gonna go down in a shithole because they can't connect and emotionally you know converse with their audience it's actually interesting i said that because i don't necessarily fully agree with that model i think that you know with instagram launching reels and feed posts like i, I think that there's still this broadcast type of content that's still in demand i think the main thing i wanted to add on though it, there is this emphasis on not just dms but a peer-to-peer -peer, like con conversation i think that one of the biggest things i saw in 2020 was the growth of like discord groups and just like communities because you know with covid <laughs> you guys my camera's flashing that um there's no more battery and what did jay do not pack enough batteries. So we're gonna try to hyperspeed this video. Okay, what I was trying to say was, I think the rise of Discord chats and communities and the need for online events has really pushed, not necessarily a direct message type of um, demand, but I think a peer-to-peer -peer demand. So you see a lot of creators launching communities, even social tokens. The only correction I would make to this is maybe not the future's private, but the future is peer-to-peer. -peer. I feel like you guys, whenever you meet in the comments networking, it literally means more than probably, I don't know, meeting just the creator. I think that when I see people just vibing, Makes my heart warm. A lot of people don't believe in my predictions and I get it. Who is this 18 year old talking shit about digital marketing? But I have to say something creepy happened. Last September, I made a video about when Instagram was going to crash and literally the next month it did. So I do I think I'm Houdini. Like I do think I'm really smart. Although I shit on myself, I do know that like I speak some facts, not because I think I'm the shit. Most of the things I say are just regurgitated information from Leon. Yeah, that's right, my dad. That video we made together predicting like or roasting e-commerce websites got like more likes and comments than my regular videos. Videos. like I'm pretty sure I should just start a channel with my dad because y'all like him more than me <laughs> so like this video if so you're so far enjoying it and you want Leon back on the channel because I swear to god y'all y'all love my dad and just show some love to my dad because he's very camera shy he hates being on videos but he does so much information and research for me in terms of creator economy and just a lot of technology stuff because he's like a kind of like a CEO of a tech company brands taking character. In 2020, you're probably not going to talk to a human. You're going to talk to a robot. For those who don't know, like two years ago, I started like a software SaaS product called Personal Brand Journey that was essentially a very similar competitor to Community or MailChimp. It was essentially a, like a text message bot. So it's funny that I like, I noticed my trend videos or my prediction videos are very focused on like the product I'm building. Like my last prediction video for 2021 I uploaded last week was very heavy on my current company, which is kind of about like how to create a sustainable brand slash like create an ecosystem with social tokens, which I talked a lot about like crypto stuff. So the only thing I do have to say with the prediction videos is they're very skewed to the company I'm working on. I I've noticed that. I think that's smart, right? I think so. Trying to automate their customer service. So they're not going to have a John and Sally. They're going to have Mr. AI response to our clients. Okay, so funny story. I don't agree with this at all. I, I think that it's you're, you're, you're uh, right, Jade. A lot of people will interact with bots, but I don't think we're at the level of like full on AI. Like when I used my like open table app to book a restaurant today with my friend, like it was just like, just, just like a kiosk. Like I don't think it's fully on conversational bots taking over yet. I, I don't think we're at that stage yet. And I don't think people want to be at that stage yet. The reason why I know this is because I actually had to stop working on personal brand journey because I noticed people hated it. Like the the, the bot actually, like it, it was annoying people because text message is super invasive. So I actually don't agree with this one. I think that people want quality human conversations unless the AI is super freaking good. Like there's this company called Clio, which is an AI chatbot for banking. And it did really, really well in the first few months, but I don't know how their company's doing now. I haven't heard from them since. So I don't know if we're at the stage yet where people want to get spammed through bots. Like I personally try to minimize my main notifications with any subscription or newsletter. 
TikTok is gonna receive pressure. You can't make money on TikTok. The only way you can technically make money is through live streams, but TikTok is placing ads and none of the creators are getting a percentage of this. I do think that TikTok is receiving pressure still and has been for a while for a better monetization program for the creators. But the one thing I do have to say is I do put this in the correct bucket because three months later after I made this video, TikTok rolled out the creator fund, which essentially when they pay creators monthly for making videos. I think I got paid like $400, $500 for like my couple of uh, videos last month, which is not the best for the reason of like, I do get a lot of viewership that's a lot more than YouTube. So the AdSense does not compare. And also creator fund is not, people say it's like kind of strange and like, like a little not a good idea if you like don't have a large enough audience because it could block reach but I think that people still are a little pissed off about monetization on TikTok like they take a lot of money if you do live streams and they obviously take a lot of money with brand deals like a lot of the ads you see are from the TikTok marketplace and they take around like 50% so I don't know I think that TikTok is still receiving pressure I think more and more creators are just using TikTok as like a lighthouse to, to amplify their YouTube channel really or direct it to another source of a like landing page so I, I do agree with this and I wholeheartedly stand by it and I did predict the future are you in the creator fund? Me? Yeah. yeah. Did you make like money from it? Yeah. My friend Ben made 786 last month from his TikTok. He was averaging 17 million views. That's not a lot of money. If it's a, if that's YouTube AdSense, that would be like 10x. But that's still interesting. So yeah, TikTok creator fund's shit, but it's getting better. Like I, done, I definitely think it's decent money compared to like what they offered before. The number one trend I think that's going to happen on TikTok is it's a little bit confusing. I've seen a lot of people get backlash and a lot of hate has been around this subject. And honestly, it sucks because I'm kind of a part of this mess. The number one trend- Wait, what? what am I about to say? <laughs> what am I about to say here? <laughs> gonna happen in 2020 is creators going- Wait, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm gonna say here. I'm a part of the problem. Direct to their fans. What does this mean? So I don't know if you've seen, but Jake Paul's a YouTuber with 10 million subscribers, and he recently put out his phone number. And this phone number is a way for him to take his audience to text message. Okay, so I give this last prediction from this marketing video definitely a. Correct. I do think creators are going direct to their fans, but not through text message. I don't agree with that. I, I think that like fans want direct experience, like access, like Patreon or people wanting like membership access or one-on-one -on -one events. Like I, I think that those are super successful. But in terms of like, spamming people, marketing content through text message, which is such, it's, it's literally like phone number is so valuable and it's so in, like, aggressive and you know vulnerable that i think that a lot of people just don't want to give it out anymore so that's the only thing i have to say i can make a whole video about this but i think that with the rise of social tokens and kind of this act idea of ownership i do think that you don't really need to have a youtube channel to like make money like you can use youtube to market your products and that could be your you know membership or patreon like i do think there's just going to be a movement of like staying away from advertisers and, and more direct uh, direct connection to your fans i had a meeting with the founders of rally rally is a social token company where you can anyone can launch their own social tokens and it's really interesting they are built on ethereum which is a type of blockchain and they're just enabling creators to have direct connection to their fans like you know their address which is like kind of like their the wallet address but you also know a little bit about their information their name what their purchase behavior is and yeah i, I think there's just going to be a rise even since last year of more direct connection. I just don't think it's text message, girl. And um, I don't know, like, I, I, I like watching this video for the sole reason of like, my lack of 
knowledge made me super like go for it. And I think that's a good thing. Like I think that whenever you start something or like have a company, if you guys are, cause I know a lot of you guys want to start businesses and you always ask like, how do you start so many? Like you almost have to go in a mindset of ignorance and like just like doing it because if you overthink and you know too much, you'll, you'll like psych yourself out. And I think that what strikes me most interesting about this video, honestly, is yes, like I, I got most of the facts right. But also it's because like a lot of the products I was building was trying to fit in with this like idea of like, oh, my company's trendy. So I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that like I was very optimistic about what I'm building. And that's not a bad thing. I think that you kind of have to do that when you start something. So if you feel unsure about your business, it's very normal and you typically get proven wrong because you got to pivot. But yeah, that was today's videos, guys. I hope you enjoyed. I genuinely had fun. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I think I did an okay job with my predictions. I'm excited to look back each year and do this and I hope you like this format. Please, 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 if you're able to leave a five, five, leave a five-star review on iTunes, wherever you're listening. It does help me out so much. Um, and I really do appreciate it. All right, guys. Bye.